Hey, I'm so glad you're here because I don't often get the opportunity to share with you exactly what I do and what we do here at On Air Brands. So we help the folks in our community and our clients to launch a podcast and then produce them on a weekly basis. We also help to promote each episode with close to a dozen social media posts that consist of quote cards, sound bites, and video clips. And then we post them for you on your socials automatically. So if you're a business owner with a ton on your plate, and a podcast just seems super overwhelming, I get it. We don't need one more thing to worry about. So let me and my team at On Air Brands do the heavy lifting each week so that you can focus on what you do best, which is to build your business, have more time to pour into your family and your community, or just plain chill and recharge. So feel free to email me at eric at On Air Brands so that we can book time together to chat about how we can align with your mission and how you can align with ours, which is to make the world better one mic at a time. Now back to the show. Welcome back, folks, to another episode of the Entrepreneur Circle. I'm your most happy and humbled host as usual, and that is going to have a different meaning today. Uh, but as my happy and humble host as usual, Eric Cabral, um, and we're going to be talking to a really cool dude that I met somewhat recently, but typically in my circles feels like, uh, even though I met you recently, uh, that we've known each other for years and years and years because he is a fellow GoBro. Uh, we all are cut from the same cloth and um, we have a lot to share, a lot of value that we're going to uh, uncover here throughout his story. Uh, but first off, I want to introduce my dude, Rob Humble. Welcome to the show, bro. Thanks, Eric. Happy to be here, man. It's funny because I say this freaking these your your last name all the time, and uh, I'm like, man, what a cool last name! I never got the chance to to, to share that with you when we were in Oconee, and uh, I'm like, man, what a cool like you automatically have a core value baked into your <laughs> your, your name. Hundred percent, man. I, I try every day to live up to it. So <laughs> so good, so good. Uh, not only that, uh, folks, and, and if he, I'm going to recommend to him after the show a microphone because he's got a killer radio voice. Like you may hear a little bit of it through here, and and Rob, my audio engineer, will do some magic. But dude, you you've got this booming bassy uh, quality to your voice. So like, aside from the name, you got the voice. Yeah, yeah, man. The the the, the podcast, the brand, all that stuff. It, it, it's working. So it's good. Well, thank you, Eric. <laughs> Uh, so quickly, though, primer for those who don't know, uh, Rob is uh, an owner and the CEO of of Gatsby Glass, and we're gonna we're gonna uncover some of that. That that is a relatively new endeavor that he's on. So I'm excited to chat about that. Um, but he comes from. Uh, a corporate background, very similar to to my story, and he had a lot of things going on uh, throughout those decades of working in that mindset, those limiting beliefs. We're going to unpack a lot of this stuff. I don't want to tell your story for you, bro. So what I'm going to do is ask you the first question, which is the eureka moment in life or business that caused a major change or pivot. Yeah, man. Well, I'm going to go deep and personal from the very beginning here. Um, it's the way I live my life. And uh, frankly, and to use a lot of my business with who I am as a, as a person. So gosh, man, my eureka moment was uh, about three years ago when it became clear that um, the end of my marriage was coming. Um, I met my ex-wife at 20 years old. Uh, we were um, classmates in college and we got married in our mid-20s, uh, had kids in our late 20s. 
And we were together for 18 years. And, um, you know, it just uh, like I said, about three years ago, it became apparent that uh, that was no longer sustainable. And um, it was a massive identity crisis for me. Uh, I grew up in rural Oklahoma. My dad was a, a music minister at a Southern Baptist church. Divorce was always considered the greatest by me. I, I considered it the greatest failure you could have in life. And, um, you know, and I always thought of it as, as my worst nightmare uh, in many cases, even, um, I, I viewed it as something that was more momentous than even losing a child, uh, which is a, a massive statement. Uh, and, uh, three years ago when I was staring at that abyss, I realized that uh, my life needed to be different. And, and so I took the leap and um, I'm happy to say now uh, that uh, my ex-wife and I were phenomenal co-parents together and uh, we're making it happen and the kids are super happy. I do have a 12-year-old son and a 10-year-old daughter. But man, at the time, uh, it was I viewed it truly as the greatest failure that I could face in life. And following that, you know, I was depressed for a good six months. I uh, showed up to work every day. This was in late uh, or I guess uh, mid-2021, so we were all in COVID world at that point. Uh, but I rolled out of bed and made it to my computer and turned it on and, and did a work day every day. But man, it was it was crushing. And about six months in, I made a decision to stop really kind of wallowing in my pity and to embrace a new mindset of uh, I am at the beginning of uh, a whole new opportunity in life to frankly recreate my entire life. And so that epiphany moment of realizing that I needed to walk away from so many, um, so many beliefs I had about what was right and wrong to do in the world um, as it pertains to marriage, uh, that opened up a completely new world for me. And I progressed. I, I did a lot of dating uh, after my divorce. And um, I'm really happy to say that earlier this year, I met an amazing woman. Uh, and she and I are about eight months in now and just going extremely strong. And, you know, it's, it's been an evolving, that epiphany moment of realizing I needed to leave my marriage, um, set me on a path of healing, uh, on a path of self-discovery, uh, and, uh, a path of completely reconsidering everything I believe to be true about the world. And that ultimately culminated, uh, in a decision this past June, uh, it was really, Awesome to have uh, my partner Eileen by my side when I made this decision, but uh, I decided that the one of the last things I needed to really reconsider in my life was the way that I work. And uh, I had, as you mentioned in the opening, I spent the better part of the last two decades in corporate America. I was super successful. Uh, I was most recently chief revenue officer running a team of about 250 people. We did over a billion in sales. And, uh, you know, from the outside in, it looked like everything was uh, just peachy keen. And uh, but I knew that uh, inside it, it I, I was missing something. And um, maybe we get to this. Uh, but, man, I, I realized that I'm ultimately a builder. And I realized that in corporate America, the way to in many cases, the way to, you know, just go along to get along is to be a maintainer. And uh, I didn't. I didn't want that for my life anymore. I was tired of sitting behind a computer screen all day. And so I made uh, yet another momentous decision and left my job. I had no plan uh, when I uh, offered my resignation at the, at the end of May last year, or excuse me, this year. 
And uh, the only plan I had was to take my kids on an epic vacation, uh, actually a series of them for the summer. So uh, my last day at work was June 15th. On June 16th, I got on an airplane with my kids and we flew to San Francisco. We went to Yosemite for four days. We came back to the city, spent three days in San Francisco. A month later, we went to uh, to Yellowstone. Uh, and then a few weeks after that, we went to New York City and Boston. And I, I knew that um, after the divorce, I just really wanted to invest in my kids. And so I did that first. And then I put them back in school and sat with, well, what am I going to do now? And man, I really tried to give myself like six months of just chill time. I was very fortunate. I will say about my corporate career, while you know it, <clears throat> it wasn't really... Uh, the life design that I wanted for myself, it did afford me the resources to be able to just leave and take a leap of faith. And uh, man, a, a big theme of my life is leaps of faith and just trusting that uh, I would land firmly on the other side. And as we talked about in the opening, uh, I, uh, I did spend a couple months of exploring all the different options for my career, all of them uh, in the entrepreneurial space. One thing I was committed to was not going back to find another job. Uh, I knew I wanted to be my own boss and uh, super excited that last Friday I signed with Gatsby Glass. It is a, it's a glass franchise, so it's a national brand, but I get to build my own business here in Austin uh, from the ground up in the image of, of me and the values I hold and, uh, and really leverage the strengths that I bring to the table. Uh, and I could not be more excited. And man, it all started. It's, it's funny how a complete transformation of my life, including completely transforming the way that I show up to work and what I do for work. It all started with that decision three years ago that uh, I needed to take that leap of faith and um, challenge my my assumptions about uh, what failure was in life and uh, leave my marriage. And uh, man, it's been uh, it's been one one heck of a path, and I'm thrilled about where I am and super excited about what the future holds. Yeah, brother. So congratulations on all that, man. Um, I know it isn't easy. It's, 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 it's extremely difficult in terms of uh, your mindset, your support system, whether you have or don't have. Um, it, it, it very much feels like you're alone. Um, and to, to find support, not just, um, f f you know, in a, in a physical form of people like, like we did when we were all together, uh, that's very helpful. But um, what were some of the things that tools that you used or, or, or people that you tried to surround yourself with, books that you read uh, to get through those times when you were making that transition? Because you had two transitions, bro. You had uh, your, 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 your life partner, your wife for many, many years, and then also the transition away from corporate. Two huge commitments that, like you said, was your, uh, what defined you. So can you talk about the transition for either one of those or both and like some of the tools you use to kind of help you? Yeah, man. Well, it was a very, it's nothing short of a spiritual journey for me. And uh, I decided after my divorce that I was going to take a path of healing and I wanted to do that in as rapid a fashion as I could. And so um, very early on, I discovered Stoic philosophy as a way of gaining better perspective on what was happening in my life and frankly, getting some distance from all the emotions. And stoicism for me wasn't about quieting my emotions. It was a, frankly about choosing my emotions. And there's a quote from stoicism that I really love. Uh, I believe it was Viktor Frankl that said this, and I always butcher quotes. So apologies in advance to anyone that knows this quote, but 
essentially there is a stimulus and there's a response and in between there's a space and if you can if you can control your uh your approach to that space you can you can change your life and you can change the lives of the people around you and so early on i i just I focused on quieting my mind and focusing on the things i could control and um not focusing on the things i couldn't control and that's easier said than done but that was a huge part of it i then man i got really <laughs> Uh, it's fair to say that I went down the rabbit hole a bit uh, on a spiritual journey. It started with some body work. I had a, an incredible body worker who I can't even call her a masseuse because um, the work that she did on my body uh, was transformative and spiritual in its own sense. And I learned that I was storing anxiety in my body my entire adult life. And so that set me down a path of learning uh, how to not only quiet my mind, but also quiet my body. Uh, I got deep into somatic therapy, which is mind-body connection. Uh, I read a whole lot of books on uh, manifestation and uh, listening to your body. I learned a phenomenal framework that helped me think differently about the way I make decisions in life. Uh, and I'll, I'll outline it real, real quick here because I thought it was very helpful. It starts with your gut biome. Uh, I think we all um, have, most of us have an underappreciation for what the gut, gut biome um, and how it influences your brain and your body. Then there's the body itself, what you're feeling in your body. Then there's the emotions. Uh, and above emotions is uh, constructs. And constructs are marriages and governments and companies and things like that. Above that is cognitive, and then at the top is spiritual. And so I started to learn about how I was making decisions in my life, and I was committed to constructs, and I was ignoring my body, and I was ignoring my emotions. And so, so much of the work that I've done over the last 18 months, from a healing standpoint and from a really transforming my, my mind and my body, has been to both become more self-aware of where I'm making decisions in my life, and to align that more closely with the, the way that I want to be making decisions. And because I find that a lot of us, you, you can get, uh, when you get into the cognitive, which is, you know, your, your, your mind is racing, or you get in the constructs, you start thinking you're obligated to do certain things that your body is screaming at you not to, not to make those obligations or not to continue on that path. And so, so much of this was really learning about that and then learning how to channel my thoughts and my energy on what I wanted in life. Um, and I actually came to learn, we can go deeper on this, I came to learn that I, I'd really been doing that my whole life, but I hadn't been aware of, um, of the power of really focusing thoughts and intentions and, and energy on, on what you want to be, who you want to become as a man. And so I just became much more self-aware of these uh, what's happening inside my body, my brain, my heart, uh, and became uh, much more adept at uh, being intentional about the way that I was uh, using the knowledge that I learned about myself and the knowledge about where I wanted to be in life to actually create that reality for myself. I, um, no, again, dude, congrats on all that. Like, I love, I, I, if you have any recommendations, I don't want to put you on the spot in terms of gut biome. That's, it's fascinating to me. I, uh, my sister-in-law is very into it. And my, so is my wife. Um, 
but yeah, a lot of people don't connect how like that's like a second brain. Like there's a lot of things going on in your gut that, uh, you know, we often put poison in our bodies. Uh, and you remind you reminded me of this Rogan episode where um, they were talking about this blue bear that only eats blueberries. And like it's the best meat on planet Earth because all it does is eat blueberries. And when you when you cut open this steak it's blue, like the, 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 the meat is blue. And, and Rogan pointed out, even the fat is blue, it's purple. So then wow. if you think about like, if you think about that's what's happening to this animal, that's all it eats is blueberries, what about us? Like people who are stuffing, you know, McDonald's hamburgers or, or French fries or whatever it is that we're constantly eating. I've been on a sugar binge, dude, lately since we left Lake Oconee. Um, <laughs> I have not gotten off sugar. I'm just eating whatever's in front of me, especially Halloween came by. So it's like, think about the crap we eat on an everyday basis. Like if you were to eat only certain things, like we are literally what our bodies, you know, we what we eat. So um, I know you've talked about this when we were in the car. You and I spent a lot of time going back and forth in our car in the uh, the, the rental uh, yeah. But talk about that because your gut biome, the, the body, um, you know, and how it relates to your mindset and your health. And it just really is the first domino to fall because you made a massive transformation. So many things, dude, in, 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 your, in your personal and love life and then your, your, per, your, your, per, <laughs> your business and your career. And then even your body transformed. Right? You, want, you want to talk a little bit about that and how that was the first step to change everything? Yeah, you know, I'll be. I'm going to be just completely honest with you, man. I, I could I could BS you that I um, that I'm a a machine that eats the right things all the time. And the truth is, I'm, I'm not. Uh, in fact, of the, con- the the framework I gave you, gut biome is probably what I struggle with the most. Um, and you know, I, I think back growing up in rural Oklahoma, I only ate things that were brown. Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, but I, I would say, you know. I, I focus on fitness, so I'm, I'm a runner, and um, and so uh, running and and keeping muscle tone uh, is super important to me. Um, but I, and, and it's also important to my my mental health, uh, just the the cardio and the exercise and the endorphins I get from that. Um, I I go in and out of keto. Uh, I find keto uh, it, it feels like it that fuel burns really cleanly in my body. Um, I've noticed when I've, when I've been on um, a sugar and carb low diet for a long time and I have carbs, it wrecks my body the next day. And so, um, you know, those are the things that I focus on, really exercise. And, and, and also when I'm following a, a keto diet, I just make smarter choices. Uh, and I actually said this to Eileen, my partner, the other day that um, it's not about changing the, the way I live the rest of my life. It's just about changing the next decision that I mm-hmm. have, uh, and making the right decision for that. So, but man, I'll be honest, it's, uh, of, of all the things in my life, uh, managing my gut biome and managing what I put in my body is by far the biggest struggle for me. Uh, and so it's, it's something that I work on on a daily basis and sometimes I succeed and sometimes I fail. Um, but I'm always trying to be better than I was. Yeah. Yeah, but I know that it um, it definitely informs the decisions after um, towards a path that benefits you. You know, so say you do eat a cheeseburger, and then the next decision is, um, you know, I'm going to go, 
you know, I got to go write that proposal. Eh, maybe I'll watch a little South Park first. You know, like it, it affects the decisions because you're like, I gave them to that. You know what? Oh, I need a break. It just it just creates over time, decision after decision, to your point, can create uh, a life <laughs> where you're reflecting like, crap, what did I do to myself? But those little micro decisions along the way, even though you're allowing yourself to to take a break once in a while, as long as you create the foundation of good decisions, like nine out of 10, maybe. Um, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but uh, any any books, any authors, any thought leaders in that space that you recommend, especially as you were consuming a lot of that in the early days? You know, I'm going to give a shout out to a friend of mine. Uh, there's a woman named Jessica Jackson based in uh, Miami, Florida. I, I think she may be Fort Lauderdale, Miami area. Um, she actually, she's a poop expert. Oh. Uh, and, uh, so I follow her stuff. She's a friend of mine from college. Um, so she, she's, she's great. She, uh, you know, poop is the, uh, byproduct of what you put in the top. Yeah. And, uh, so I follow her stuff and she talks a lot about, uh, gut biome. Um, you know, man, I, I'm actually going to take this as an action though. Um, I've just, uh, I've just outed myself to myself as not being as good on this as I should be. And I appreciate the prompting. Yeah. So, dude, you bring up something I'm good. I'm going to find the right book to recommend <laughs> for the next podcast. But, uh, but I do like that shout out of your, the, the poop expert. Um, because does it, it reminds me of what is that called when them it, it's, it's a, it's a gross thought and I guess process, but effective from my understanding that, um, you know, you, you could take someone's poop, like who's got a good gut biome, and then you put it in uh -huh. your body. Like, it, it, like, what are those called? Where they actually put it in your poop chute, and then, um, <laughs> and then it affects your freaking gut, dude. Because if you take someone's good gut health and you put it into a bad yeah. one, those uh, all the the beneficial, you know, antibodies and all the things that are within their poop. I forgot what it's called, but my wife's talking uh, about a poop, it. A poop transplant. A poop transplant. Yeah, yeah. We'll just call it a poop <laughs> transplant because we're not experts here. But there is such a That's thing. Funny. I forget what it's called. Someone out there, whoever's listening, uh, please message me. I'm sure it's out there. I could Google it but um it's a real thing and apparently yep. apparently it works so, so contact jessica jackson i'm sure she probably knows how to do it or knows someone that knows how to give poop transplants <laughs> but yeah, yeah yeah and it's true man you, you you alluded to this earlier but we are we become what we eat yeah. right and so yeah um every cell in your body was created by something that you ingested uh, at one point in time and yeah. um, so choose carefully and and it's wild dude how um just how much sugar is in everything and not even real sugar at this point. We're, we're talking in this country, high fructose corn syrup, uh, yep. things like that, where it's just all these man-made things, especially. There's no real food out there anymore and people just consume it on a regular. It's just a construct. It's just chemicals. And we yep. eat that and call it food when it's not. And dude, when I because I told you the sugar binge that I've been on, I don't feel great. I don't feel motivated. Um, but... The times when I am on point, yeah, man, I'm crushing it. You know, I'm I'm, I'm doing yeah. things. I'm you know, yeah. But anyway, uh, we'll move away from poop, and then we'll. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, yeah, I, but I am curious though of your journey. Um, were there any things that you you know podcasts or books that you were sort of into? You know, for me, when I left corporate, dude, I needed to listen to Tony Robbins every single day to kind of reprogram and upgrade my operating system. Was there something like that for you? Because all that stuff, limiting beliefs, I didn't even know that was a thing. 
like, what do you yeah. mean? That's normal. Like everyone in my life has limiting beliefs. That's the, that's the norm. And then you realize, wait a minute, there's another faction. There's another way, another group of people that call it something. Like, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I've read a ton. Um, I mean, <clears throat> for the better part of the last year, I was reading anywhere from one to three books uh, on a, a week. Um, so I was, I was really burning through a lot of stuff. Um, some really good stuff on, you know, I, I didn't read a lot of business books, honestly, you know, I have a MBA. I feel like I got burned out on business books years ago. Um, and so for me, it was all about focusing on changing who I was as a man. And so, um, you know, I think he's a fairly controversial author, but Joe Dispenza mm -hmm. was one that was really powerful for me. Uh, he wrote a book called um, Breaking the Habit of, of Being Yourself, I believe is the name of it. Um, and he wrote another one called Becoming Supernatural. He's got a lot of podcasts um, or a lot of YouTube videos on how to meditate and manifest in your life. Uh, that was really powerful for me to, to embrace the notion that the thoughts I have and the intentions I set for my life uh, can change the world around me in a very real way. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think you have to, you don't have to go too far down the rabbit hole to just believe that when, uh, when you're focused on a specific outcome for your life and you believe in your body and in your soul that you will become the person that you envision, that you start to see opportunities to become that person that you didn't see before. And so, so much of me radically changing every aspect of my life was just believing that, um, that I could become the person, uh, that I imagined that I, I could be. Uh, and then, you know, I, I started viewing the world through a different lens and seeing opportunities that I wouldn't have otherwise seen, um, kind of ignoring the bad things that happen that might counter that. Um, so, you know, um, there's a really cool, so I, I uh, one thing we haven't talked about, I don't think I'm actually a member of the Cherokee tribe. Mm. And uh, there's a Cherokee fable around two wolves and, you know, one wolf that two wolves that live inside of us. One is uh, focused on the negative in life and is angry and bitter and negative. The other is optimistic and hopeful and generous and kind and grateful and um, as the story goes, you know, I think the fable is a, like a grandfather telling this to his, his grandson. And this grandson says, so which wolf lives or which wolf wins? And he says, uh, whichever one you feed. Mm. And so that was really powerful for me. I've had a number of massive mindset changes over the last two and a half years where I stopped feeding the beast of negativity and started feeding the beast of positivity and abundance. Um, there was a, there's another book I'm going to, I'm going to put out a provocative, uh, maybe even controversial book recommendation here. Uh, I would say the most powerful book that I've read maybe in my life, uh, but certainly in the last few years is a book called unbound with the subtitle. Um, oh shoot. I just blinked on it. Um, yeah, let me see if I can it's help. It's called you. Uh, Unbound: um, A Woman's Guide to Power. Gosh, I mm. can't believe I blanked on that. It's written by a woman named Kaja Urbaniak, and um, with the subtitle "A Woman's Guide to Power," it sounds like it's geared towards women. Uh, but I found that so that my it was it really resonated with me, and I found it resonates with so many men 
as well. Um, and the reason it's a bit controversial is it's all about power dynamics. And it was written by a woman who, at the time of writing, was uh, both a Taoist nun and one of the world's most successful practicing dominatrix. Oh, wow. And she talks about power dynamics. She talks about um, coming from a submissive stance. And there's, there's, don't worry, there's, there's no sexual content in the book. But as a woman who practices in power dynamics, uh, she was able to speak extremely powerfully to, um, to, to why we behave certain ways and how power is claimed in interpersonal relationships. And she's very clear that power is an interrelational thing. Power doesn't exist in a vacuum on its own. It only exists in connection with other people. And she wrote it for women specifically who have those freeze moments when men say something inappropriate or make an inappropriate joke or an advance and they freeze. And she said, even the most powerful women don't know how to respond in that moment. And the key in the book is to, uh, there's many keys in the book, but it all starts with understanding your desires. And so the, the reason, and not only understanding your desires, but then standing up for your desires. And the reason it's such a powerful book for me is that I gave away so much of my power for my whole life because I spent my whole life trying to please other people, trying to, I became very good in life at figuring out what other people needed in order to love me. And I became very good at producing whatever it was that the person across the table from me needed to love me. And in the process, I lost who I was as a person. Hmm. And um, so the last three years have been a, 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 an exercise in rediscovering who I am as a person, what I want in life, what are my desires, and actually learning how to stand up for my desires. What are my yeses? What are my noes? And she has a really powerful example in the book that I think is worth sharing about, <clears throat> she said, if you were at a park with your child and some random man came up and said, hey, I'm going to just, I just want to grab your kid for a minute, take him behind the, the building over here. I'll just be five minutes. I'll be right back. You would go apoplectic. There's no way you would let that happen. She says, if, if you would protect that child that fiercely, why wouldn't you protect your own desires and wants and needs just as fiercely? Mm -hmm. And what so many of us do is we accede our desires to those around us and in so doing, lose our power and ultimately end up losing who we are as a person. And man, the, you know, one of the reasons this is so important to me and I think is frankly relevant for this podcast is because I was good at school and because I was good at corporate America, uh, I did all the things in life that everybody in the world says that you should do to be successful, happy, live abundantly, etc. And I found myself at 38 years old living a life that I didn't actually want. Um, and I, and I, I, you know, I, I became in the last couple of years, I've become envious of people that weren't good at school, that weren't good at the corporate environment because that gave them the freedom. Uh, and I know it was difficult early on, but it gave them the freedom to go find what they really wanted in life. And because I was so good at feeding other people's desires, I never fed my own. And this book gave me the power to really reclaim what it is I want in life. Um, both from an acknowledgement standpoint, but also from an action standpoint, actually going out and, and, and getting it and changing my life in the process. Yeah, that's great, dude. I'm definitely going to look into that book. <clears throat> what drew you to it since it was seemingly focused on women? Um, but like you said, I mean, I'm relating to it. Uh, I'm sure people in my life will relate to it. What what did draw you to? Was it to understand women more while you were single? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I read uh, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus for that reason when I was single. I was like, I need to understand ladies. 
But uh, yeah, I will say everything I do in life, I uh, I treat it like a project. So I studied a lot up on that. But no, actually, this came from a therapeutic setting. Mm-hmm. I, I mentioned earlier that I did somatic therapy, mm-hmm. and um, I kind of got outside the bounds of your traditional cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, I uh, engaged with a, a woman who um, is uh, in the conscious community. Some would say woo woo, uh, and I was engaging in the kind of therapy that frankly made me extremely uncomfortable. Mm. And she gave me a series of books and I believe this was the second or third book that she gave me because she identified that, um, I was not seeing who I was and what my desires were. And I certainly wasn't standing up for those desires. And so she recommended it to me and man, I, I, rec- I actually have five copies in my home, hard, hardback copies, because, uh, anytime I'm engaged in a conversation, and I feel like someone needs it. I want to be able to give it to them. I've given it. To, uh, in fact, Eileen, um, my partner of eight months now, uh, she's a badass business executive herself. She's chief operating officer of her company. She is the image of a powerful woman. And she read this book and she was like, oh, my God, I've, I, I've never read anything so powerful. And we yeah. actually it, it's a constant discussion topic in our interactions. Like, are you being unbound? Are you? standing up for the things you want in a powerful way and not just acceding to the needs of others. And so it came from that recommendation from a a, a therapist and uh, it's become a book that, you know, it's interesting. I I took a little bit of a risk bringing this up on this podcast because it is super provocative. Um, It's not the kind of book that I could hand out to all the women on my team in corporate America because, you know, it just probably wouldn't go well. But it is a book that uh, I think every woman and, frankly, every man should read. Uh, it has the power to change your life. Yeah. No, I appreciate that, dude. Uh, I'm definitely going to check it out. <clears throat> so um, I'll, I'll report back on, on, awesome. on what I've what I've you know gathered from it. But, dude, let's get into um, <clears throat> sort of the, the, the final segments of the show. And we talked a lot about this already. Um, but if there's anything else you want to share, a different story, uh, lesson learned, uh, in our in our in our segment called embracing the F word, meaning failure. So lessons learned. So uh, you know that we don't have to trip and fall uh, some of the mistakes that you've made, uh, but you've actually extracted the lesson. Yeah, you know, man. The, the truth is, I have lived a life um, with far too little failure. Uh, and so, you know, we talked about my marriage. I, I viewed that as the greatest failure one could have. And I, uh, I actually walked through that, uh, that fire willingly, um, uh, made a conscious decision to step into my worst nightmare. And so I'm actually gonna, so, so I don't have a whole lot of like massive failures that led to great outcomes. Although that was, I think the, the mother of all failures, um, but man, I'm going to take the, the opportunity to just talk more broadly about the way that I've lived my life. And that is, frankly, without fear of failure. Uh, I have uh, I've lived my whole life just believing that uh, that if I am intentional about what I want and, and I go for it, that I will succeed. And uh, just some examples of this. Uh, I only applied to one undergraduate university. It was a top 10 engineering school. I got in. I only applied to one job out of college because I thought it was the perfect fit for what I wanted. I wanted to go to Harvard Business School, and I knew that as a senior in college. And so I picked a job that I thought would team me up for that. When I applied to Harvard, it was the only business school I applied to. Um, I've taken multiple jobs in my life, um, hired by a PE portfolio company to lead M&A. I'd never worked in M&A in my life. 
when I got promoted to chief revenue officer at 37 years old, uh, I had 250 people reporting to me and it was my first job in sales. Uh, and I had a, a, you know, a large sales team reporting to me. And so for me, actually, the inverse of failure is just like I, I proceeded through my whole life assuming that I wouldn't fail. And it's worked uh, amazingly well for me, in all honesty. And man, there's an image that I'm going to refer everyone uh, this, to, to a two-minute clip. Go to um, Google and type in uh, Leap of Faith Indiana Jones, and you can watch a two-minute clip. And it's the clip from the uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade where he has to cross this massive chasm. And it's, he's reading from this book, and it says, only, a, uh, only with a leap of faith will he prove his worth. And he kind of mutters that to himself. And he looks across the can, uh, chasm, and he says, it's impossible. Nobody could, could jump this. And um, his father yells from the other room as he's dying, you must believe, boy. And, and so he then takes the step without even looking at his feet. He just steps into this chasm, and his foot lands on solid ground. And immediately, the entire pathway in front of him becomes clear. And that's how I live my life, man. I'm going to take that step. I've done it countless times. I've done it again with leaving my job and starting this franchise. And, um, and then what's really important about that on the flip side, I love the last part of the scene. He takes a handful of sand and he throws it on the path so that others can see it. And so that's why I'm here with you, man. I, I want to, uh, as much as possible, share with others the power of believing uh, that you're capable of doing whatever it is that you set your mind to. It's a lesson my father instilled in me, and I, I believe it to the, to the nth degree. And it has, it's been wonderful for me. So, you know, F, failure, frankly. Uh, and uh, go live big. And, um, uh, you know, uh, more often than not, it's going to work out for you. I love that, dude. And, and any throwback reference to... My glory days of Star Wars, Indiana Jones, be, before it was completely demolished by the current regime over at Disney. Um, yeah, dude, what a great scene. Um, I love that scene. I love all of the original trilogy stuff there. Where, uh, But the one thing that you highlighted that I did not think of um, is how we... As as men with abundance and anyone, there's other there's other groups I'm sure um, that operate this way. Just operate in life this way is is throw that sand on the path, right? Because like you said, it was yeah. clear, it was invisible. Um, but when he threw the sand, it is truly helping others to understand like there is there is a path, right? And there it is presenting it to you. And, and, and I'm sharing the knowledge that I just gained and, and throwing the sand back, you know, and we often talk about, you know, like you're climbing the ladder, putting a hand down, someone's on the lower rung because you're always going to be looking yeah. up. Um, but dude, I, I, it's funny. Cause as you were doing it, I imagined the scene and I was like, I should probably do my really terrible Sean Connery. <laughs> you know, but, no, no, but you, you said something that I don't normally say in the Connery voice, um, which he was saying, you know, something you have to believe boy. The one I always do is, uh, it's like, we named the dog in Triana. He's like, <laughs> If I ever have a dog for my girls, dude, I'm going to name the kid. I'm going to name the dog Indiana just because of that one reference, right? It. The dog was named was Indiana. We're going to dog Indiana. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, brother. Um, so I love this, man. I love your message. I love your story. Uh, I love you, brother. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, before we part, though, I want, I want to share how people can reach out to you if they want to continue having this conversation, learn a bit, a little bit about more what you're doing, especially as you're building uh, – um, 
Gatsby Glass, and you're providing, you know, custom glass solutions and building that team, which is exciting. I want to definitely keep keep posted on that one. Uh, but in one word, how do you help people? You know, it's uh, this is going to be uh, a theme. Uh, I'm not even going to give a business answer. Love is how I help people. Um, I've learned that I'm a lover and I love people. I love supporting people. I love, um, I love loving on people and I love being loved by people. And I found that um, if you just love people and you uh, move through life with integrity, and by that I mean what you feel on the inside is what you project on the outside, and you feel love on the inside and you project on the outside, that um, you know, generally uh, the, the world works out um, and, and you feel, you know, I, at the end of the day, uh, I, I believe if, if I love on people in the right way, um, the completely appropriate way, just to be perfectly clear, but um, just um, spreading love through the world is, is how I move through the world. And it's, uh, it's, it's how I've gotten to where I am in life. And um, it's uh, even in the business I'm about to start, uh, it's, um, you know, ha- having a love for people's homes and creating more beautiful homes for them and for their businesses and creating beautiful businesses. And and wanting to create beautiful spaces for people with custom glass installation, it, it's a labor of love for me. And so that's that's my one word, man. I'm a lover. Yeah, brother. That's what it's all about, right? In the end. In the beginning and in the end, it's all about love. Um, and we often we often lose sight of that, man. So thank you for bringing that back uh, and, and, and sharing that. Um, but yeah, uh, in any way that people can reach out to you, is any particular socials or, or emails that you want to share? Yeah, uh, LinkedIn is a good one. You can find me at uh, Rob Humble on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm also, I'll just put my, uh, I'll put my email address out there, rmhumble at gmail.com. My middle name is Mansell. So Robert Mansell Humble, rmhumble at gmail.com. Shoot me a note. Uh, This inspired you. If uh, you know anything about glass, uh, I would love to chat. Uh, And uh, yeah, I appreciate the platform, Eric. Awesome, bro. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for, for sharing the time. Talk to you soon, man. All right. Later. That's it for now, folks. If you'd like to stay in touch with the show, you can contact me directly at eric at onairbrands.com. That's eric, E-R-I-K, at onairbrands.com. And if you aren't already subscribed to the show, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or any other podcast platform. And please recommend us to one or two people in your circle. That will go a long, long way to growing our community. Also, if you could rate us on iTunes, just take a moment uh, to give us five stars. And if they have more stars, give all of them. We'd greatly appreciate you for that. And always, always like, subscribe, and share, share, share this show on social media. We'd love you for that as well. And if you have any ideas or want to hear something on a future show, please hit us up. Maybe you have a question for one of my guests or you want to uh, tell a story, a success story. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. You can do that, especially if you're on the Anchor platform. You can leave us a voice message. We'd love to incorporate you and your voice on a future episode. Once again, folks, thanks again for listening to the Entrepreneur Circle. Please like, subscribe, and share, share, share. I am Eric Cabral, and as always, remember, your network is your net worth. So get in the circle.